Welcome to the Henry and Brendan Show. Role play. One, two, three, four. A lot. From like I, from like I, I feel. Give us your money. I don't care what other people do. It's awful. Never do it bad. <laughs> Someone asked us to talk about Stoicism, and um, there was a time in my life where I prescribed to the Stoic philosophy, um, and I don't necessarily have any f- problems with Stoic philosophy if people choose to prescribe to that. Um, however, I do think there's some some pretty big errors yeah. um, in Stoic philosophy, fundamentally think, in the yeah. philosophy itself, but more importantly with the execution. Western adaptation and execution. Yeah, I agree. This is one of the first things, this is one of the first, I want to say, episodes of the Henry and Brendan show that our coworkers were ever subjected to, was just us talking about Stoicism <laughs> across our workplace. Yeah, so what? what yeah. let's start here. Well, what do you like, what do you like about Stoicism? I love... Um, the color palette. That's a joke. Um, <laughs> just thought of people. Yeah, I love the Instagram the, reels. About yeah, right. The the gray clouds and the mm. no. I mean, there is something to be said for a person standing in calm stoicism and standing strong in the face of chaotic, turbulent waters all around them. Right, and mm. so that's you know, there's an aesthetic there for sure. Of like, I'm going to be calm even when everything around me is horrible, because I can control myself. And that Captain America vibe, yeah. And that semblance of control is like, you know, it's. I think at every every person at a certain age of their life will find it appealing to just Definitely. control themselves and stop worrying so much about controlling in the environment. And I think that's a bonus of like understanding. You can't control your environment. There's a vast lack of control of the circumstances of your life, right? You can control your immediate environment, like our apartments and stuff like that, but you can't necessarily control the circumstances. You can't control the weather. Yeah, exactly. Right. Those kinds of things. There's a lot of empowerment to that. But again, as you get further into it, it starts to become this balancing act of like, where's the line of what? you should be trying to control versus what you shouldn't be. Yeah. It's almost like, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start with what, what, what I like, and then I'll, I'll kind of address that point. Cause I, I agree. Um, I love the, the, the advocacy for self-regulating. Mm-hmm. I love the advocacy for, um, controlling your response to things rather than trying to control events themselves in a very tactful and wise manner. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think some problems come up. Um, I love uh, the, the four core tenets of, of Stoicism, I believe, are, are wisdom, wisdom, temperance, courage, temperance, courage, and justice. Justice, yeah. Um, I, I love the... I like, I, don't, I won't actually change my verbiage. I like the idea of responding rationally versus emotionally. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some problems with that in times. Absolutely, yep. Um, and I love that a lot of the people I know who, who pursue the Stoic practice are people who are very reliable mm-hmm. and very um, capable. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to, I don't want to dismiss 
what stoicism has done for my own life or what it's done for other people. And if it's given you a foothold that you need, um, then that's an amazing thing. I know a lot of people whose lives have probably been saved from prescribing to this philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about, I think, some lives that are way harder than they need to be as a result of Stoic philosophy yeah. and the potential um, blind spots mm-hmm. that the adaptation of philosophy comes. Yeah. As with anything, I mean, any philosophy, if you take it to this grand scale where people are just adopting it on a face value without really digging deep into what it means, I think you're going to find that. Anyway, of course. Especially, and we see it a lot more in the age of the internet where it's yes. really easy to say mm-hmm. you are something and practice it without actually knowing what it is you're practicing. I sure. think it gets really easy to get broad strokes of a thing. And especially of philosophies and lifestyle choices without actually understanding what it is you're practicing. Right. And one thing that um, I'm, I'm not educated enough to discuss uh, today, um, I've been doing my, my due diligence over the last week um, preparing for this conversation, but I don't want to get into the philosophers themselves. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of problematic stuff when you go to problem. talk about. Uh, the Stoic philosophers, yeah. um, Marcus Aurelius, while a very wise man, there's a lot of serious issues that that um, he created for for people that caused suffering for a gigantic amount of of innocent lives. Um, I on uh, ironically, partially as a result of his Stoic philosophy, if you look at right. the fact that he knew full well that his son was a maniac and should not um, succeed him in uh, being the emperor of Rome, uh, yet he believed that that was beyond necessarily his realm of control, and that yeah. his son needed to take ownership. And right, um, but th- th- this is again one of the problems with with Stoicism. I think that when you deny the emotional response, and this is the irony that I was thinking about this morning. When I looked at, I was thinking about these tenets, and I'm, I'm, I try and look through a lens whenever I, I, I prescribe to something or think about something. I, I like to find out what, where it breaks, mm-hmm. like what's wrong with this thing. Yeah. Because if you're looking at what's wrong with things, it's a lot easier to see what's wrong with them. But if you're only trying to look at what's good. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so I was thinking through the the tenets. I say courage. Okay. I can see some some potential over. Uh, overindulgence of self-righteousness and, and yeah. those types of things. Um, but there's one I really, really stuck out immediately, and this was the that tenet of justice. Yeah. Okay? And, and if the Stoic philosophy advocates for a non-emotional response, then how do we actually know what's just? Mm-hmm. Right? And this was one of Nietzsche's criticisms of he hated Stoicism because it denied the human experience yeah. to a level of incompetency. You know, it's funny. I saw someone use it just as an aside. Someone used a Nietzsche quote to explain Stoicism in a Stoic video that I was watching when I was brushing up on this for this video. They used a Nietzsche quote, and I was like, this is just clearly evident you don't know what you're talking about because you're using someone who hated this philosophy right he, to explain why this no, maybe philosophy there's irony it. there right yeah, maybe it maybe um it was also a bad quote i think i think uh <laughs> well nietzsche also said i can write in one sentence what people cannot write in entire books yeah. um and so he was a pretty arrogant human being as an e-n-i-n-t-j 
Uh, yes, very much so. Very type five. Very. Um, the problem with good and evil is it's it's just thoughts written down, and so it's really hard. It's hard to read because he's yeah. so brilliant that it's just impossible. Um, but his arrogance kind of clouded him of <laughs> of some proper judgment. But God, again, we're talking thing. about yeah. yes, absolutely. We're talking about stoicism, not Nietzsche today. Okay. So, um, but it wouldn't be the Henry and Britain show if we didn't mention Nietzsche or Myers Briggs. <laughs> Um. Yeah, Carl Jung and Nietzsche kind of rule our our philosophical minds, but um, in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. Um, if you look at, for for example, how, the the way that I believe we find out what's just or what's moral, if you want to, and I want to leave the theological element out of it for now. Okay, is our emotional response to things that we deem as immoral, which becomes unjust, because justice is. The prerequisite of justice is injustice, right? Okay, yeah. It's the condemning as a society of things that we believe are morally reprehensible and accountability for those yeah. um, those unjust acts. You're saying how do you find the morally represent, reprehensible actions as a society without an emotional response? Without an emotional to response to something. To turmoil. Right. Which now, is the whole thesis statement of stoicism. Right. Now... I don't necessarily think that the philosophy itself would condemn the emotional response. It would say, well, you have your emotional response. What can you right. pragmatically do right. to At respond to this emotional response? What can you physically do? Mm-hmm. However, because the Stoic philosophy is so focused inward, it kind of neglects the social responsibility. It neglects yeah. the communal expectation. Um, you see this a lot with the Stoic philosophers, and I won't mm-hmm. get into it too much because, again, it's muddy, but one of the Stoic philosophers, I don't know if it was Seneca or whatever, but encouraged somebody to take their own life when they were able to be cured of their disease because his argument was, well, if you just, if you just die... Uh, to this sickness, then you didn't control anything, and you were just like the birds and the bugs and everything else that had no mm. control. There's no honor in it. But if you choose to take your own life, then you chose to take control mindfully of the situation. The problem was they had a cure for the thing you was sick with. Yeah, and so it's like that should raise some red flags when it's like it's an over pragmatic response to life, right? Or at times overly idealistic. Yeah. Because there's there, it, it's not tangible enough, and they tried with the tenets, like with rules of things like that, to give it a little bit more materialistic yeah. application. Yeah, the problem is is that because it's so vague, I think the adaptation of these, uh, this philosophy is where the ball gets dropped a lot. Right, it's like you can adapt courage, but not actually be courageous. Just blindly, um ignoring fear which is not what courage truly is Absolutely courage is right not the ignorance of fear it's the understanding of fear and the it's the understanding it right of yourself like it's well it's the understanding that the ideal that you're pursuing is more important exactly. than the cost like of, to you standing at the edge of the fire even though you know you're afraid of the dark right like pushing into what you're afraid of right knowing that you're afraid of it so when when where how do you think people I think it's a good example, but but um, how do you think people botch that? How do you think people who are practicing philosophy, uh, Stoic, Stoic philosophy misuse courage? Like, give me an example. Um, oh, an example. That's going to be a toughie. Um, 
I'll give you an example. Okay. It comes down to this dichotomy of what you can control and can't control. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And this is the core flaw that I see in the adaptation and the the adoption of philosophy. It's this misunderstanding of what you actually can control. It's a dismissal of what could be controlled if you spent more time trying to think about it rationally. Mm -hmm. And it's complacent. And so sometimes the response to fear isn't courage. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you, I'll give you it maybe at a, at a micro level or at a, a total level it is, but let's say that you are in a abusive relationship. Okay. Sometimes courage doesn't mean staying in the relationship and learning how to adapt to the yeah. scenario. What's courageous is to leave that relationship. Yeah. Right. But the problem is, is that a, a lot of people I've seen who have adopt, adopted stoicism say, well, this is something outside of my, I can't control my abuser's behavior. I can only control mine. Yeah. But instead of leaving, they say, well, I need to be more stoic. I need to adapt. I need to suppress my emotions. I need to suppress I my feelings. I need to suppress that this is bothering me. That this is bothering you. Now, that's an extreme example. Yeah. Maybe a better example would be... Um, a job that you don't like. A job that you don't like. Or a it's workout courageous routine. to leave... Yeah, I think that's a better example. I think that's a good example of where stoicism can because I think lead it, you the wrong way. Because I think, yeah, you get into a lot more psychological complexes. Right, with the, yeah. yeah. So a job that is making you cry every day to go to because you hate it so much, it's not courageous to stay at that job. It's ignorant of the pain it's causing you, Right. which I think would be the the adaptive stoic response is you shouldn't be this bothered by this job. So control yourself and figure out what's wrong with you. Whereas true courage is saying, I'm going to leave this job because it's causing me true pain. No, I, <laughs> I think, can control I think, that. Well, I think it's, I think it's doing both. It's, it's looking at the situation and saying, why is this causing me so much distress? And then find a job that doesn't do that. But also saying, well, what can I actually control? Yeah. Okay. But sometimes it's not just about what you can control internally. It's about what you can control externally yes, as well. Exactly. And so I think to kind of make it a little bit simpler, the reason why stoicism is adapted incorrectly a lot of times is because it's too focused on internal control and not enough focused on external control, right? So maybe maybe you don't like your job because you have uh, an, an inadequate level of communication with your boss and maybe the job wouldn't be so terrible if you communicated properly and set boundaries. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's your first step. Yeah. So then you go, you set those boundaries, you communicate what your needs are. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Go just as far as you need. Yeah. You, you figure out what those things are. Yeah. But then you maybe acknowledge, well, these people, even though I've done what I can in my own in myself, I can't control other people's behavior and they're refusing to yeah. treat me fairly. Then the next stoic thing is, well, I can't control their behavior. So I can, I should just double down on this level of what I can do. Sometimes it requires you to do that difficult thing that is yeah. wise and just and courageous and all those other virtues mm-hmm. is to leave your job. Yeah. Um, and finding that balance requires a very key guiding component. Right. And that key guiding component is your emotional response. Yeah. And this is the problem with Stoic philosophy. At least in its adaptive form. In its adaptive form is people are widely, and I would bundle even in us in this group, 
incompetent and stupid. Oh yeah, we're okay. We're <laughs> our smooth monkey we brains can't comprehend the smooth monkey can't brains. comprehend our dolphin skin brains <laughs> can't comprehend <laughs> what we actually think they can. And one of the ways that our brains adapt is through the hormonal and chemical responses from our emotions. And so to deny those emotions is not always wise because that stress response Mm -hmm. is usually what leads to change. Yeah. And so it's also, you know, pretty telling your brain tries to tell you when you're in danger. It's not obviously it's not always perfect. There's a lot of things that can screw up that danger response, but ignoring that is just it's ignorant of the so let's, things that those responses so let's can do circle for you. way back to the anxiety medication because I think it's incredibly relevant. Yeah. When you have identified that you have an issue with anxiety, first of all, welcome to the club, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very sorry. Um <laughs> when you realize that you have a disorderly level of anxiety or even just anxiety that you feel like you cannot manage. Yeah. Even just um, inhibitive anxiety. Let's look at let's look at what we can control about ourselves, okay? No, with no external factors. So no doctors, medication, therapies, anything else. Just what yeah. we can internally control. Well, you can control your diet. Mm-hmm. You can control your exercise. You can control how much water you're drinking. You can control your uh, you should you can meditate. You can do yoga. You can do, and there's tons of clinical research to support that these things are crucial to having a healthy life. Um, You can look at your mindfulness practice. You can look at your education level. Are you undereducated or or over in in a position that is too difficult for your level of of education? Like, Mm -hmm. there's all sorts of of different things. You can look at um, your your attitude and the things that you prescribe to. And I think you should look at every single one of those, those things and you should create change for every single one of those things. I'll yeah. always be an advocate that you should change yourself first. However, I think that if you want to have a full competent response, a truly stoic response, yeah, you have to look at what external factors can change. And you look at your jobs, your relationships, you need to look at what is what would therapy look like? Yeah. If therapy is something you feel like you can't afford, you need to look at how could I potentially afford this? What right. do you need to actually do? You need to look at you need to go talk to a doctor. You need to consider medication. You need to consider alternative medicines. Right. And this right. is all assuming that you have the ability to do that. And this is well, this is why I think that that true the true stoic people need to take a role of a guiding counselor to help the people in their community. The problem is it's it's not attached to that way in modern yeah. world of I'm only responsible for myself. Yeah. I can only control myself. That's true. And then it, yeah, the, it leads into that toxic behavior that you and I have both witnessed numerous times of in our complacency lives. of uh, other people's yeah, but, issues are, yeah. are just, they need to get over it and yeah. I can't do anything about it. That's but it's not like true. You get so stoic that you eventually just, um, abandon you lose your anyone family. else yeah and you abandon all relationships with other people in your life and purposefully not just accidentally abandon people and lose relationships like you purposefully cut people out of your life and create this toxic environment where you're the only thing that matters and it becomes really selfish and not stoic at all i agree and i think that that's a big danger of 
treating yourself as the only controllable aspects. So what do you think? What is it you said? If that's assuming they can control those things, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, you can't always control. Not everyone can afford to go see a doctor to talk about their anxiety and not everyone can do sure. these things, right? So it has but to be with reason. Absolutely. And that's why I think this is like a checklist. Can I control this? Yes. Can I control this? Yeah. Yes. Can I control this? Yes. Right. The, one of the benefits of stoicism is for these people mm-hmm. who cannot afford these things. Yeah. And we can talk all day about about the injustice that is right. that people can't afford those things. And I don't disagree with with any of that. And that's a whole other topic of discussion. But you can control your diet almost always, yeah. even on a, even if, if it's just a little bit more, a little bit better, maybe not necessarily more money, yeah. just better choices, right? Yeah. And let's say, well, I'm, cho- I'm choosing the best I can. Okay. You follow that list until you've done everything that you can do. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily think they need to be first, first or second. They can be in tandem with each other, yeah. right? Those external factors and internal factors. That's the competent and co- the, the total comprehensive response. This is a temperate response. Right. And sometimes temperance means abstaining from things. And that mm-hmm. would even include things like relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would just encourage those who practice Stoic philosophy to maybe listen to your feelings a little bit more as a a compass of where do I feel like the stress is really coming from? Is this a fault of my own or is this a fault of someone else? Because as someone who is very type one for my almost entire life until very recently, I refused to acknowledge other people's wrongdoings and the effect that they had on my life. And I, I've come to realize that that is a non, it is an inefficient way to, to actually actualize as a person. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you have people in your life who are abusive, and sometimes there's nothing you can change right. other than your proximity to that person other than that proximity to that drug that you're using, other than your proximity to whatever those things are. And so I think looking at this temperance versus abstinence question that we talked about a little bit earlier this week, sometimes the temperate level of something is not at all. Yeah. And just to clue everyone in, Brennan asked which one is more virtuous, abstinence or temperance. And we discussed a little bit from there and neither of us are convinced either way. So I think that that what is virtuous is being able to identify what your needs actually are, do, what your level of restraint is, and at a, which at is a temperance, which is temperance. Um, however, I think that sometimes temperance is misconstrued as, let's say you you have a problem with alcohol, it's not necessarily more virtuous to try and force yourself to be in an environment where you can master alcohol and mm-hmm. only have the moderate amount if you have identified that your version of moderate amount is nothing. Yeah. And so you don't don't gain a stoic virtue point by <laughs> by by going to the liquor store and trying not to overdrink. Yeah. I think the adaptive stoics as I'm calling them, the ASs <laughs> would argue that you do. Yeah, and that's just fundamentally wrong. Exactly. Which yeah. is, I think, my main issue with Stoicism. It's not the philosophy itself; it's the people that the practice adaptation. it. Yeah. And it's the it's Instagram Stoicism. Yeah, that's for what sure. Call it. Yeah. Um. The the aesthetic, as I was making a joke earlier, is like the biggest draw to these Instagram Stoics. That. So what what would a good? Do you think Andrew Tate is a Stoic? 
or considers um, himself think, and his followers stoics. I think that he says he's a stoic. Right, which is considers himself to be. I think he's a sex trafficker. That's what I think <laughs> yeah, about Andrew for Tate. sure, but I'm just talking. <laughs> That's what I think. I was just asking if like, his, <laughs> if his, what does he call his followers? I don't know. Like warriors or something? Tates. Tates. I don't know. Cobras. Cobras, probably. It's probably not Cobra. I don't know. <laughs> it's got to be warriors. Free agents. Free. Weekend warriors, dude. Um, um, yeah. I was wondering if he considers their philosophy of the iron. It's iron something, right? Because this school, whatever. I don't want to get into the weeds on Andrew. <laughs> I want to know if you a think better, he's a, a stoic. I think that he prescribes to whatever philosophy he needs to externally to get the influence that he needs over people. There you go. But if I were to take someone who I believe is probably more stoic in a, he's he's definitely not a stoic thinker. But if you look at someone like Jordan Peterson, I think that's, that's my immediate thought. I think that's a very balanced version of stoicism of like, mm-hmm. uh, clean your room. Yeah. Right. Like when you're it's falling apart, definitely the clean INFJ your room. Stoicism. Yeah. Clean your room, <laughs> but also go to a doctor and talk about taking medication. Right. Yeah. Right. That level. But also, it's not a repression of the emotions. It's a, if anything, it should be your North Star, the way that you feel. Yeah. Um, and again, it's, it's repression of the emotions is the problem with the adaption of, of Stoic philosophy. Mm-hmm. That's my, my bow tie. Yeah. My my t- my bow I on agree. the top is is that stop repressing your emotions. Um, I I watched this video. This this gentleman had a story. He was talking about um, he he rode his bike through this area and it popped his his tire, mm-hmm. and he was he was stoic about it. And he he said, you know what? I can't control this. I can only control how I respond. And so he didn't get upset. And then the next day, he rode through through rode his bike, popped his tire again. He said. He said he even laughed. Oh, this is so funny. Two bad things in a week. I can't only control how I respond. On the third time, he popped his tire again, and he realized that he was driving through a construction zone yeah. that was not being cleaned up well. Right. And so his lack of frustration yeah. caused him to not take a critical view of yeah. his situation. I think that's a perfect And I think that that is the illustrator. Um, but I would say that people should do their own own research. Do your research on the entire philosophy. I think I think that people Does say, that mean, "Oh, I'm name a- every philosophy." <laughs> yeah, read every philosophical <laughs> Stoic texts from Zena and and Seneca and and don't just read meditations. Exactly, because you have to see if you want to take a, a philosophy, you need to look at it at its entirety. And not yeah. just the pieces. And if you want to adapt it to your life wholeheartedly and commit you're gonna, to something, you're going to have to do some. You're doing. Well, you're also going to have to do some very immoral things. Yeah. Um. And it's it's one thing to take pieces and say, well, I think there's something very virtuous about controlling what I can and and not over responding to things I can't. Totally true. Yeah. Uh, there's something virtuous about um, not allowing my emotions to totally dictate my my behavior yeah totally true there is something wrong with repressing your emotions there is something wrong with complacency there is something wrong with denying other people's humanity because of their lack of prescription to your life philosophy Mm -hmm. there is something wrong with with over um 
criticizing yourself for the wrongdoings of others because of your over dedication to self response, instead of removing the stressors from your life and removing the people from your life that are causing those problems. And if you can make sure you avoid those pitfalls, then I think it can be a great, a great way to live. Yeah. I think that's true about any philosophy. So I think, you know, it should be, uh, it should be ingredients, not a recipe. 100%. Just like everything. I think if you find things about stoicism that you like and that you want to adapt to your life, great. But nothing should ever be a recipe for how you should live because there's no one way that a person should live and no one way that a person does well, you know? I don't dis- – I do – I think I disagree that there isn't one way that people should live, but I just don't That's think- because you're a type one. Well, no, I just don't think that people will ever – I think that each person has a way that they probably should live depending on what their set of goals are. Right. The problem with that is that I don't think we are ever going to be competent enough to actually understand what those things are. Right. We don't and have the even visual if you, organ. Even if you are, you're not going to actually be able to execute on those. And so I think what's important is learning the sense of adaptability of like, well, this is working for me now. I'm going to use it until it stops working. I'm going to keep what worked and leave what didn't yeah. and then learn from it and move on. Um, I like to say, though, that there's no should. Like, should I take this job? Well, I don't know, man. There's, there's, no too many, there's so many variables. Exactly. There's no should because you can't verify what's going to happen. So the, there's a philosophy I I absolutely can. cannot stand. There are two. Nihilism is evil. Mm-hmm. I think it's fundamentally evil. I think that if you're a nihilist then I feel very bad for you because I think that you must have suffered true nihilism. A true nihilism. Again, like there's not very many. You get into this, Most into of them the are weeds not of alike. Like, a person that actually lives nihilism probably doesn't exist Exist right now. Because if they did, they probably no longer exist. Right, exactly. Once you reach true nihilism, there's a degradation curve that's like a cliff and you just, you, oh, right. I'm done. So, but, but there are a lot of hedonists in the world claim they're nihilists um who well i think are just don't even know what hedonism is to be honest yeah. but uh i think hedonism is again i think it's fundamentally flawed i think that it's i think that it's evil because it it is selfish and causes suffering for other people yeah. around you for the sake of pleasure however even in hedonism there are pieces that are valuable mm-hmm. sometimes it's okay to just do what is pleasurable you just have to take the checks and balances to say, well, is this ethical? Is this moral? Is this appropriate? Is this causing suffering for other people? Those checks and balances, if the answer to that is, yep, 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 okay, we're good, mm-hmm. then yeah, it's fine. I agree. And so if if it's it's like gambling. This is why temperance is a virtue. Yeah. Because is gambling wrong? Absolutely not. Is gambling in excess wrong? Absolutely. It's probably bad for you. I'm not going to go into wrong it's gambling and excess. Sure. Wrong is very well. It's wrong. I do think it's wrong because I do think that it it causes gambling for you for in excess people. would be wrong, but gambling in excess for a single person living on their own but, who's just gambling their own money. Okay, but then I wouldn't consider that excess. When it becomes excess, okay. in my mind, it's when it right when it causes suffering for other people or suffering for yourself. Even can you set that definition for everything? Yes, is excess going to cause suffering for. Every- I think that that same. We're gonna get really into the weeds on this. If you want to go down this rabbit hole, but 
I don't think you can stand that definition on eating in excess is causes, causes suffering, suffering for you. You said other people, uh, but run it back. I also said, or yourself clip it, put it on the, put it over this overlay it. <laughs> or yourself. Okay. I think that gambling in excess can cause damage to yourself. Yes, absolutely. Not, I think that's wrong, but that's not what you said. Otherwise I wouldn't be arguing it. What do you mean? You said gambling in excess is when it takes it to other people because I said it's not wrong for a single person to ruin their life. Gambling, that's their choice. I, and then I, you said it had to do with excess being what causes other people suffering, and therefore I brought no, it I to... I did say ourselves, but it's okay. The, it. the, the tape will show. Um, I don't know if you did, but... But I think ruining your life is wrong. I think you're more than welcome to do it. And you should be allowed to do it. I think it's bad, not wrong. I think it's wrong. Difference. You don't think that that causing suffering for yourself willingly is wrong. When you when you can't control your gambling habit and it causes you to go right. broke, that's not wrong. If someone comes to me and asks me like, so is, hey, how do I fix my life? Obviously, that's going to be the first thing that I point to. But it's, it's not wrong. wrong if it's not doing it to they're another not, person. They're, I'm not challenging their worth. I know, but it is saying, wrong. It's I don't think it's wrong. So you don't until think it happens you don't think person. that you don't think it's wrong until it happens to someone else, right? Really? At least in the context of what we're talking about, I'm going to frame it that way so that you so can't that you trap get me. a scapegoat <laughs> because you can't trap me. So you're saying I don't know that somebody who that's my gut is impulse. addicted to heroin. It's not wrong. Is it wrong? I think it's wrong because I it's, think it's I, because I think it's ethically and morally reprehensible to destroy yourself. Okay. I just, you don't agree. I think a person who lives in a vacuum of like, they don't interact, like they don't have, I think it's wrong because they're devaluing themselves. I think it's probably bad for them and it's not the ideal way to live, but I don't think wrong is the right way to go. I think it's, I think, I think we can talk about this probably for another hour. Probably. I think I think that that is a. Let's do it. An un. I want you to do a Jordan Peterson impression <laughs> to sign off the podcast. Well, it and depends then... on what you mean by wrong. <laughs> Peace. We gotta figure out an outro, dude. One, two, three, four. This podcast was produced by Obsessed Media, hosted by Brendan Shoemaker and Henry Young. If you'd like to hear more from us, suggest a topic or support us in any way, our link tree is in the description down below. Have a great one. <laughs>